which this year there's no difference between the two other than the time <laughs> allotted, right? <laughs> They're both in Zoom meetings or on Zoom meetings or OZIs. <laughs> I don't know what you call them, but... Oh, God, not that. <laughs> <laughs> they will never be called on Zoom interviews, will they? All the six infirm interviews, if it was in person. Like, it just would It wasn't not. an OZI. Yeah, yeah. I thought. <laughs> Thank you, Felicity. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to What's Law Got to Do With It, a lighthearted look at life in law school. I'm Professor Richard Haig. And I'm 3L Law student Felicity Redan. Felicity, how are things today in a sunny day in March, I'll say. A sunny day in March. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's actually, it has just become a little bit overcast. So I suppose slightly less good than it was five minutes ago. But still very warm though, too, right? Yeah, it's great. Yes. Spring has sprung. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And that puts all of us in a better mood. Uh, and also, it today is going to be all about a better mood as well. So, uh, isn't it? <laughs> it's a good day. I'll, I'll hand the reins over to you, Felicity. All right. It's a good day because we are celebrating employment. Really, the whole purpose of going to law school in the first place. Um, well, maybe. I don't know. Or just to avoid being a grown-up for another three years. Hard to say. Um but all of that preamble out of the way, we have uh, a returning guest for you today who you will remember from probably just our last episode, um, just before going through the uh, infirm recruitment process. And now we have him out on the other side. So Alex, do you want to reintroduce yourself for everyone with a very short memory? Sure, sure. In case you forgot, it's understandable. My name is Alex. I'm a uh, second year at, at Osgood and uh, happy to be back. Yeah, so we had you, as Felicity says, well, it was probably a couple of weeks ago, let's say, um, but these two podcasts are going to come almost on top of each other because it is, yeah, you, you kindly agreed to come back having now undergone the very horrific process that you went, <laughs> went through. <laughs> and we want to hear about all about it. We want, and we want those, those immediate kind of feelings as opposed to asking you six months from now, right? That's so maybe we should do a bit of signposting just to keep everyone on the same page. The last time we spoke to Alex, it was right after he had finished his OCI process. Um, so on campus, the like speed dating style interviews, but not on campus this year, of course. Um, and now we are speaking to Alex right after the second portion of the recruit, which is the quote unquote infirms. <laughs> Yeah, which this year there's no difference between the two other than the time allotted, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're both in Zoom meetings or on Zoom meetings or OZIs. I don't know what you call them, but... Oh, God, not that. <laughs> <laughs> they will never be called on Zoom interviews, will they? <laughs> Although I might, no. call this, I might call this episode the OZI episode. How's that? <laughs> we, we have very little control over this, so we'll accept it and pretend that it was our, our choosing. Alex, share your exciting news with us. How'd it go? Sure. Uh, it, went, it went really well. Um, I came out with, uh, with another job at a, a really cool uh, firm, Kim Spencer McPhee. They do uh, uh, securities litigation, class actions, ranging from uh, employment to shareholder disputes. So... Uh, I knew I wanted to go into litigation when I started law school, and so now I actually get to uh, to put that to to practice. That right is fantastic. congratulations! Yeah, fantastic <laughs> Thank news. You. Uh, Thank you. Uh, did you know right away in the interview that this was the place? Oof! Um, 
did I know right away in the interview that it was the place? You know what? I, no, I did not. Um, and I really struggled with picking, uh, up until almost the last moment, really. Um, cause I just, it's, it's a huge decision <laughs> based on four days, uh, you know, and meeting a, a, a sample of, of the firm. And so, uh, I did not know, but what I can say is that going into infirm week, uh, I had a pretty strong idea of my of my top three, and and Kim Spencer McPhee was in that top three. So right on. So can you give us a bit of an overview of like how many firms you interviewed with? We're getting really personal here. We're asking you to bear your soul, but like how many <laughs> firms you interviewed with, and then like sort of how, as you say, you were up to the last minute. So maybe just give our listeners a bit of an overview of the process. Sure, sure. So it's it's a three day process. Um, so it starts on the Tuesday and it's all over by Thursday at 5 p.m. Um, and typically most uh, firms do two sets of interviews. So like a first one and then, you know, I guess if you impress enough people, uh, you get invited back for a second one. Uh, and so I had, uh, how many ones did I had? I had seven i had six infirm interviews and i got called back well one of the places uh was the securities commission so they only do one interview uh and i got called back to all of the other ones so five hello that's quite a record (laughs) yeah it, it was it was a lot um and i don't think i would well we can talk about this but uh i don't know if i would recommend necessarily doing that to yourself <laughs> I, well because i've heard i've heard that it's really draining right and that you it it's best not to take on say more than three i thought was a kind of a a good rule of thumb but you you know it's hard to That's, say no right to those even to the infirm interview well i was i was actually thinking about this when i was uh preparing and for for, for this podcast that you know, the, I, I would not have been able to do five or sorry, six infirm interviews if it was in person. Like it just would it not. It wasn't an OZI. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> Thank you, Felicity. <laughs> like you, you, I could not physically, you know, run from building to building. I mean, some, some of the firms, you know, are, are on Bay street, other ones are on queen street, all over the place, downtown. Right. Um, and no one wants to go to an interview sweating through your suits. It's not a good look. And, and so <laughs> I just, you would not be able to do that. But I, I began to think, I mean, how many in normal times then you're making difficult decisions about, you know, places and, you know, firms that I got callbacks to, I probably would have cut if I could only do three or four. Uh, and so uh, to me, I mean, I'm sure you'll ask what my thoughts on, on the infirm process are. And I have a lot, I think it's very problematic, but um, I mean, yeah, usually you can't do more than three because the amount of preparation that goes into it is, is a lot. Uh, and you just physically like very challenging to get from firm to firm and trying to figure out what weighs North in the path. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't, that's not just interview week. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... For the, for those that don't know Toronto, the path is the underground system where you, with with and it's it's path in name only. It's the most convoluted, uh, what 
Byzantine serpentine set of underground walkways with poor signage. So it's so hard to navigate. <laughs> it's like the most stressful thing about working downtown. And you know, that yeah. says a lot. <laughs> if you can get, if you can master the path, your law is simple. You uh, can do anything. So uh, that's, that's very interesting. So the, the pandemic and zoom made you realize I can probably squeeze in a few more. Uh, so, but you're, you're right. I think in, in other years I had heard that kind of three is the, the magic number, I guess, or sweet, sweet spot. spot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have a question. You have some thoughts, it sounds, yeah. and it seems like you, you have some negative thoughts maybe about the process. And I think that a lot of the time in law school, when there are like questions of the process or how we do things, they usually come from the people who weren't successful. Um, and then the people who do well at things, they don't complain. They like, you know, it, this is how it should be. And I am excellent. And, you know, it's clearly the right system for choosing employees. Yeah, the process so I love fantastic, this. Fantastic, right? Yeah. yeah it's a- <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The, the rules are set by the winners. Um, but so I am loving this. And I want to hear that even someone who can manage to pull off six infirms and five repeat infirms has some has some thoughts. And I want to hear them. <laughs> yeah, I have some I was going to say, don't, you don't have to mention names, but just, to, yeah, I guess it's more about the process than, as opposed to the specifics. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And I, I don't think, you know, I'm not saying this because ooh, there could be a future employer listening. Um, I think the firms did a wonderful job with making the best of what has got to be as equally a challenging process for them. Um, I mean, everyone was very welcoming. Everyone was very open. The communication and emails was fantastic. Um, some of the best, you know, communication that I've seen uh, about any process. Um, and that includes, you know, like what school was <laughs> happening with school from, uh, from that perspective. So I, I think the firms did a fantastic job with communication. I have a ton of thoughts of the process. I, I, I think on the first day, I thought there's, there's gotta be a better way to do this than just three days of, of straight interviews and then making a decision on that third day. Um, Cause I was in interviews basically up until the blackout period. And then, you know, you're like, okay, where am I going to summer and potentially article and potentially, you know, a lot of potentials, but potentially get hired back as an associate. I mean, it, it is a big decision. And uh, I just, I, I worry that the process is to, I don't know where to even start with these thoughts. Let me say that I, I don't think the process is necessarily fair. I don't know how you would do the process if you have caregiving responsibilities. I don't know how you would do the process, um, you know, like if you had a child or like, it, it's it's such an intense experience in preparation for the infirms. You know, you got to learn who your interviewers are. You have to learn about things the firm does, major cases they've handled on top of your schoolwork. Um, and then on top of, you know, whatever responsibilities you have outside of the classroom. And, and so I really wonder if it's the best, if it's the most equitable way to, to hire people. I think, and this is a common problem across interviews, not just the law, um, but a lot of the questions they ask maybe you know, I had very few questions about, you know, my capabilities or what I thought my strengths were or what, where I thought, you know, uh, my skills might lie. A lot of it was very conversational. No one asked me about like my favorite lease player or, or anything like that, but 
you know, uh, a Trick lot question. of them. They're all terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's a hot take. Uh, that's, yeah. I definitely wouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think the biggest thing that I thought of, and, you know, I remember when I was in first year, a lot of people made the comment that, you know, if you work on Bay Street, you only work on Bay Street for a few years, the turnover is super high, you know, you get your work in, you get your hours in, you make a name for yourself, you make some money, and then you sort of leave and, and go to a boutique firm or you just leave law. And that seemed to be like the standard course of, if you're planning on doing the recruit, that's the path that you're gonna that you're gonna take. And, you know, after going through the recruit, I wondered how much of that is because you spend, you know, three days learning everything about a firm and it's all sunshine and rainbows when you're interviewed. Like there's nothing ever, you know, only one firm was super honest about, you know, late nights and working. Everything else was this a fun place, you know, la di da, we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, you know, how many people, and, you know, you meet 10 people out of what, sometimes, you know, two, 300 lawyers. It's not necessarily the most accurate picture of, of the folks who work there. And, and so I wonder how much of that burnout, that turnout is because people have the wrong expectations leaving the OCI process. And I just think, I don't know, I hate to say there's gotta be a better way and not have a solution for a better way, but uh, I think there's gotta be a better way of doing it. Well, before we get to that, cause obviously I was gonna ask you, what's the solution, Alex? How are you gonna, how, what are you gonna advise students coming in? But um, so I just, I made two notes. One is the idea of self-select. I just wonder if there's, if it's because of the concerns you have over kind of equity and who, who can do this and who can't, I wonder if there's some self-selection though that occurs amongst the students that those who say, oh, I've got childcare responsibilities. I'm just not even going to bother with this process. So there's that po potential problem. And then there's the problem of those who do choose and then realize they can't be their best selves or they screw up because yeah, they, they're too worried about other things that are going on in their lives. And then I think the self, yeah, yeah, I, I think the self-selection is huge. I was going to say, and, and I'm very open about this. Um, I know there's a, my, my marks in law school are, are far from phenomenal. Um, you know, I got a C in ethics. I'm not going to steal from a client. <laughs> but I, I got a C in ethics and, you know, I got a C plus in contracts. And I, I will be honest, every single firm asked me about that in. About in those two grades? Yeah. In, oh. in firms and in OCIs, every single firm I was asked, you know, sometimes in some interviews, multiple times about it. And uh, I got a pretty thick, thick skin. So, you know, I knew it was coming and, and I had my answers for, for whatever. And, uh, but I, I wonder, I mean, a lot of, a lot of first years, you know, talked to me and said, well, I didn't do well in first semester. Like, am I out of luck for, for the recruit? And, and uh, yeah, I think there's a huge amount of self-selection about what they think, what people think firms look at, what they think firms care about. So I think there's a huge amount of self-selection, uh, which, and especially with not being able to put your best foot forward. So just, sorry, you just have two, oh, two thoughts ahead. before, before we move on with a question that I would just want to throw out here. I think like for anybody listening, who's has this thought, cause I think this happens a lot throughout law school of like, well, I'm just not even going to bother applying and like, just do it. Like what, it, what, if you want the job, if you want the internship, if you want to do the thing, like who cares if they say no to you? Like it's better that they say no to you than that you say no to yourself. So just do it, put together your best application and you never know what a firm is going to look at and what they're going to ignore. Um, and then the other little like disclaimer that I just wanted to throw in here is that this is pretty specific to people who want to work on Bay Street or certain government offices. 
Um, so this like formal recruit process doesn't happen for everything. Um, and I think 2L specifically, because this is sort of, that's sort of the time in law school where you get the job that turns into the articling job that turns into the associate job. Um, it, they freak out and they think like, this is the only time to get a job. This is like the only way I'm ever going to be successful. If I don't get this job, my life is over. And like, it's not like you'll find another, there, there's lots of other places to get jobs and not doing the recruit is not indicative of like, you didn't think you could. Lots of people just don't want to do it. This like dog and pony show. And that's totally fair because it's kind of a, a hot mess express. <laughs> um, so I, I just wanted to throw yeah. out those two disclaimers. <laughs> and I, I just have one comment, one question of Alex based on what you just said. First of all, is the the idea. So, yeah, the question is, so it, it seems like everybody focused on your C's, which is interesting. Did anyone focus on your good marks and ask about those or is that just not not a topic? Uh, they would almost always start. I, I always knew it was coming because they would go, they take a long pause, they look <laughs> at a piece of paper, they go, uh, you have phenomenal undergrad marks and, you know, you did so well in torts and cram and business associations. Then another really long pause. And uh, then they go, uh, so why don't you tell me about what happened with uh, contracts or why don't you tell me about what happened with and and so um but no there was no there was no focus right. i think the worst question i the most the the i think the most unfair if there are any firms listening to it way that this question was posed was do you think your marks are a good reflection of your abilities um to never me, like ever wild, no <laughs> a wild a wild uh <laughs> way to phrase it <laughs> yeah that's interesting so okay that that's pretty interesting to me. The, my comment about that was, well, two comments, one of which is uh, my friend who's a partner at a big firm here would say he he actually loves to see students who have grades at both ends of the spectrum. Uh, in other words, as opposed to, a, let's say, a, somebody who has all Bs, it's really nice to see an A, and I don't care if they have a C. If they have an A, it means they have potential. That's all he ever really focuses on so i don't even think he would ask about the c's he's more interested in you know the a's and my other comment is as a prof i often say to students first of all you know i don't know if students ask us enough for references and i'm always going to give somebody a reference and i have had quite a good success rate with people who did terribly in my class and they come to me and talk to me and they, I don't think they come initially to ask for a reference because they think, oh, I got a C with Prof Haig. I don't really need, I don't think he's going to give me a good reference. But it, after, after we talk for a while, it comes around and I say, look, I'm, I'm happy to give you a good reference and I will even focus on the C and I'll say this is not indicative of who you are because I know you've done it. And so, you know, students who really do worry about those, as you say, those C's in first term, first year really have to realize that it's not a big deal. You can definitely overcome that if you want. Uh, so that was my little comment. Back to Alex. Oh, Felicity, you had you wanted to follow up, didn't you, with some other questions? Well, I just wanted to, to like, my, my last questions were really more comments to just, like, set the framing of, uh, how limited our discussion really is on this point. Um, I think like everyone has such a narrow experience. Alex, I don't know if you want to talk about this, so we can just cut it if you don't. But um, you did both the 1L and the 2L recruits. Mm -hmm. And like you're someone in your year, like very few people would have 
um, the experience of having like in your year, both an in-person and a virtual recruit and also both the one L and two L recruits, like that's a pretty rare thing. So I wonder if you could, do you have any thoughts on like the contrast of those two and, and whether they were any different or if it's really just the same game. And if you don't want to talk about this, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what? I mean, that's a great question. I will say, um, I will say the one L recruit, and I think this has to come back to something that we've talked about, the like pressure that I think a lot of students put on themselves with this recruit. Um, the one L recruit felt much more lower stakes. And, you know, I knew that there's the art of a recruit and there's probably more jobs outside of traditional recruits than in the recruit. But the two L recruit is really stressful. Like <laughs> I was really stressed uh, and my sleeping was thrown off. Like it, it's not, it's not a really fun time. Um, that said, I, I made, I made the most of like, you know, that I could and, and just sort of took the approach of like, I'm meeting a lot of really cool lawyers and a lot of really cool firms. And, and so tried to have fun, but the, the, the most stark contrast for me was that the one L recruit felt much more, uh, relaxed that I could make a mistake and I did make mistakes in, in my infirm for sure. And I, and I learned from that. Um, and, and I wonder if there's a way that we can sort of, there's so much emphasis put on the two hour recruit in law school. I mean, on my first day of orientation week, people were asking about OCIs and, and I'm like, I don't even know like where the bathroom is here. And people are talking about OCIs. Like, that is like what the is, like, perfect the picture of the first day of law school. <laughs> like, I don't even know what's is, going that's on. That's ridiculous. I didn't know that. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I just, I think the one hour recruit is much more like it's more relaxed and, and you can just sort of talk. Um, and I, I wish I could have replicated that feeling going into the one hour recruit, going into the two hour recruit is what mm-hmm. I would say. Right. But it's very hard to, right. You, you realize the pressure is oh, on in a different The pressure is on. The yeah. pressure is on. And people are so unwilling to, I thought this was strange. I, I, I'm maybe you can tell very open about talking about things. <laughs> and so I was very much willing to talk to friends about like places I had gotten, you know, turned down from or, or places that I had gotten callbacks to. Um, and if friends told me stuff, I would connect them with upper years who I knew summered at that firm. But a lot of people don't want to talk about the recruit. And I think there's a reason for that. It, it's more stre- It can be more stressful. Um, but I think there's a lot of benefits to, to talking to people, to sort of venting about frustrating interview questions or, or areas where you bungled it, but also the chance to connect people with upper years that that really helps with with interviews and so i think that like refusing to talk about it also increases the stress which i didn't as much Mm -hmm. find in the one hour recruit people were more open and and willing to talk i think that's like a good a good couple thing you said you didn't have any suggestions for how to make it better and i think you do you just have to tease them out of you (laughs) i i I do i mean we can talk about the actual process of call day which is where i have my my strongest suggestions <laughs> we may need oh, yeah. to, we may need to have a second uh podcast <laughs> for that because because i i have there's still so many questions even on this initial foray into that so because the, the other thing you talked about was expectations and how those are uh, expectations are kind of misplaced or wrong for a lot of people and i wonder if that's on both sides right i i wonder if the firm's expectation is Oh, we're going to hire people who will stay with us for the rest of their career. Uh, and you say, and the student's expectation is, oh, I'm just going to use this for three or so years to get, you know, up to speed and know what law is all about and then go and do my own thing. Is that, am I characterizing that right? Is that what you kind of. I mean, I, I think most of my friends going into it are like, I, I want to make a career out of this. 
but so often you hear you know oh the the life of a bay street lawyer is is short like the the career span and and so you know people move on they go to nonprofits they go in house um you know you spend a few years doing whatever mergers and acquisitions and then do you decide you want to see your family more than <laughs> a couple hours a <laughs> week mergers and acquisitions yeah so and, and i emphasize i mean i can't imagine the pressure on on student teams and recruiters to to get it right to not hire someone who's going to be, you know, the amount of money that firms must invest in developing students, it's got to be astronomical. And, and so I can't imagine the pressure on them. Uh, and the, I know what the pressure is like on us. <laughs> and so that's why I think there's just, there's just got to be a, a better way of, yeah. of doing it. I, re I remember when I, I think I have, I was just going to say when I was an associate, so I, I was three years, I was an associate and I remember the firm and this is, you know, look back on it and this is not really what you want to hear, but the firm used to say, or the, partners you say you guys are all you guys all cost us money you you up until about fourth or fifth year as an associate you're an you're a drag on our finances <laughs> because we cannot bill out the hours that you bill and we're we're bringing we're teaching you we're bringing you along so and yet you know that doesn't make you feel good first of all but uh it is true though that i think that the it, it is a, it is an expense right and so You'd think that if that's the case, though, why not spend more time trying to get people that you think you can retain forever, right? And it doesn't sound like that is happening, really. That uh, so, as you <laughs> now, I have some thoughts uh, all right. <laughs> because I don't think that's true. I think that that's nonsense. I think that's uh, a bit gaslighting. Um, I think that that's something that the profession loves to do is to like make the lower ranks of it feel like they are a drag. When in fact, like, yes, you might not be able to bill out all of the time that I spend on something. You're billing out my time. You're not losing money on me. And like, don't tell me that you are. And law firms are pyramid schemes and they depend on a level of attrition. Um, like you need to have more associates than partners. That's just how the numbers work. And so like, I think that it's good for them. They have to have some people who are going to leave. And that's just like the structure of the way firms work. And I think it kind of goes to what you're saying, Alex, about like the expectations that this is only going to be like a six year career and maybe we don't know what we're getting into going in. And I think this is like also true of law school grades and the recruit and all of these systems that are like in place and everyone is miserable and everyone hates them. But we like gaslight ourselves into thinking that this is normal and this is like how it has to be. And we like are just so it's just always been that way. And people like young lawyers and, and students and young associates don't feel like they can be like, no, you know what? I'm not going to work 16 hours a day, every single Saturday and Sunday. And like, let me just tell you, you can say that. And like, if your employer doesn't like that, like you can find a better employer. Right. <laughs> like, yes. I know that that's not always an option for everyone and that everyone has different circumstances, but I just think we should like really do some work to like stop feeding into this, like, narrative that the people at the lower levels of the profession have no agency or power. You need to I feel like it's a bit gaslighty and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, yeah, again, I'm not the model uh, person to talk about, but I just refused to work past five o'clock in my three years as an associate. <laughs> so it was just my, my choice, you know, I, and I knew the consequences, but I, it, it was, yeah, I do. I, you know, I think, students can be a little bit more demanding or or less uh 
quite less easily exploited, I guess, would be a way of putting it. I think, yeah, more aware of their own worth is maybe yeah, okay. the way that's that a, I should frame it. it. Yeah. I was a little a little ranty there. So I think more aware of your own worth <laughs> yeah, is you, the way to go. <laughs> you rarely rant, but that was a good one. Uh, <laughs> so I get to, to wrap this yeah, up, I guess. Are we getting to time? Yeah. I want to ask Alex then on that note, how do you think students can like have that thought of like being more aware of their own worth going through the recruit process, whether it be the formal one or otherwise? Because as you said, it is, it's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and I like to think that I was very, this was very much on my mind that, you know, I'm applying to jobs, yes, to contribute, but also to learn and grow. And I knew I didn't want to work at a place where I wasn't going to be valued as a member of the team. And so I think one of the things that students can do going into the recruit um, is remember one, why you went to law school and that you got to law school in the first place. I got to say the LSAT was far worse than the infirm process, <laughs> far worse. So if anyone's nervous about that, you've done the LSAT, you're here at law school, you can do the recruit. So remember that one, why you went to law school and two, that you got to law school. Um, and then I would say once you're in those in the process, trust your gut. I mean, if people are talking about how they work, you know, insane hours and, you know, and that's not something you want to do, like, trust yourself on that. You don't have to work there. Um, I asked like very, I asked two types of questions in the interviews. I asked very nerdy law questions. So people who did like some really cool stuff, I'd ask about like a, a Supreme Court case that they argued and then try and poke a hole in it and ask like, well, what if, you know, the other side argued this, like just out of pure curiosity. Um, and if the firm doesn't value that, then that's a whole other issue. But then also ask like very pointed questions about work-life balance, about workload. Um, I asked, you know, I asked one of the firms, how many like young associates have families and like, what's the expectation there? Um, you know, and sometimes those questions can be uncomfortable for people to ask. And so I think it's incumbent on people like me, like white dudes to, to ask those questions, to force firms to be thinking about their answers to that. Cause, cause for some people, those are very like difficult questions to ask. Um, uh, but I think, yeah, you don't want to be the young woman sitting in an interview asking about the family policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I straight up, I straight up asked like what the paternity leave was uh -huh. and yeah, what the maternity good. leave, like, and so I think, I think asking those questions are important. I also think firms need to be, I saw a lot of firms on Twitter congratulating themselves and congratulating students on how many like equity, diversity and inclusion questions were asked. And to me, I'm like, you know, don't congratulate yourself on being asked those questions. It's unfortunate that students have to, you know, out themselves or, or put themselves in a position to ask that question. You know, you need to, the, the firms need to be clear about what the work-life balance is. They need to be clear about what their, you know, EDI initiatives are. I can't think of a single firm that had their maternity leave policy posted publicly. Mm -hmm. And, okay. uh, 
you know, perhaps I missed one, but but I looked I looked pretty deep on all of these firms' websites, and and so I think firms need to be way more. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being honest. To being honest is saying like our junior associates will sometimes work weekends. Like you're sometimes going to be working till midnight. I think it's better to be honest than to be like it's sunshine. Like we go on team picnics. <laughs> Yeah. It's great, you know, and then then it's like, okay, you need to stay till two in the morning and finish. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, the team right. picnic is actually eating the leftovers in the fridge until two in the morning while you're trying. I think honesty is okay. I mean, the firms expect us to be honest in the in the process. I would expect them to 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 be honest yeah. as, as well. Well, that's a, that is you're absolutely right there. I'm 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 shocked and appalled that they aren't. But I, I, you know, that <laughs> I'm learning a lot from this episode. <laughs> uh, we are over time, so we'll have to thank Alex. And uh, yeah, I think we have to continue the conversation. <laughs> Got to do with